This is DJ Belf here at the Get Up Podcast. We're here another week. I know we were off a few uh, a few days or a couple of weeks. <laughs> I went on vacation. Thank God. You can only thank uh, just because like going overseas. Like this is the first time that I actually went overseas, like across the pond, as they call it. Um, and it was a dope time. But before we get into that, Pharaoh, what's up? We got Pharaoh, y'all, our listeners. We got Pharaoh on the line on the aux cord. Or not? Yeah, this, this Barrow uh, checking in. Everything's good. I think my uh, journey is just about come to an end. I had like two job offers on the table. I'm about to take one of them. Oh shit! Uh, so far, I'm a little upset. The summer's coming to an end. This was a really great summer. Um, the weather was nice and hot. Yep, the way I like it. But some of the but I just realized in like three weeks it's going to be cold as fuck. So. Uh. You, oh, okay. All right. So Ty, Ty, Ty over here saying it may the the weather may continue to keep going. I mean, with this global warming, you know, yeah. it, it'll be warm to December. And that's S dot, y'all. <laughs> of course, it was, cold it, was for so long. it was cold for a minute. Yeah, no, it definitely was cold for a little bit. But I do agree with Pharaoh that. Um, Time time is different, right? Not to get too too deep right now and whatnot, and we may we may decide to go deep a little bit, but um, it's time is different now. If you think about it, we're already in like what the second week of August, second yeah. to third week or some shit like that. We have really about like another two weeks officially, I would want to say, and then before you know it, it's September, and then the shit goes right back to <laughs> right back to September, right back into that school like. No yeah, it was warm. no, that's true. And we, we, the only thing, um, and sorry to our listeners, um, Ty, um, that was saying here that we actually did have a, a warm winter. So, I mean, and I agree with that. We did, and we didn't have, um, we are uh, the weather actually. We had more of those what bomb fucking cyclones here in New York, like a bomb cyclone, and what are those? What the what, nor'easters? The nor'easters. There were like a million you. of them. I'm like, what the fuck? you know with all these like 90 mile per hour winds and it's cold as shit and um but we didn't have much snow so i am thankful for that but yeah um but yeah no time is different man and um september is coming the summer i just feel like june went by and i felt like even at the end of june because my birthday is at the last day of june so i remember when like june 1st really and i was like oh shit the summer is here right like and then before you know it it's damn near almost september so i mean not to bitch and complain but you know the positive side is that we made it all the way through the summer made so, it you know the universe, no nuclear war no, no nuclear uh, wars <laughs> no catastrophe. Um, some people are, are a little hurt you know the people who supported certain people you know are are, are hurt by their actions you know <laughs> and they won't um farmers on welfare yep farmers on welfare um pharaoh was that you who shared that article on the group on the group uh the group chat pharaoh what's the article the article about farmers possibly yeah that's what i'm wondering i because yeah. i know like um yeah so, i think so yeah because was, it was like ridiculous to me i was reading it i think i was reading that or reading something different and it was saying something along the lines of um how farmers um their the price of their grain has gone up and uh they most mostly before these um particular farms that were 
million dollar farms, like ma- making a whole bunch of money. But now, um, their their farm, you know, farms are closing down. Like by um, you know, well, by it's the a, day. it's the opposite. Their their prices are going down. Okay. Oh so, yeah. So okay. Thank they, you. They lost a lot of market share because mm-hmm. China stopped importing it. Yeah. Or the tax. Yeah. The tax. You know, yeah. went down. And I think it's great, Trade though. I, I think uh, liberals should be happy about this. We ha- finally have somebody who's fighting Paul Ryan putting back the welfare state. Oh, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, oh, I'm happy for this development. Trump is really pushing welfare reform and providing more money for the people. So. It's fun. So did, was this just recently? I didn't. I think I missed like in the fuckery that he's been causing. Yeah, it was recent. I don't it, was be t- couple, it was a couple of weeks ago or something. But, I mean, uh, you heard that he's attacking Jeff Sessions again. Yeah, the same old shit. And Jeff Sessions is just gonna sit by and. I feel like he attacks Jeff Sessions once a month. <laughs> he knows, but I they say that's um that's just a, a tactic of his to uh, yeah. to you know steer the conversation away from um, this Paul Manafort trial. Shit. Jeff Sessions ain't leaving. He's too happy locking up black people. <laughs> That's true. He's like, he's like, I ain't got no worries. No. I don't care about no Trump. Black, black people and actually uh, Spanish people. and, and, and um, Well, actually, no. He as uh, the Department of Homeland Security because um, Jeff Sessions really doesn't have anything, you know, directly yeah. to do with um, the immigration lockups and those poor kids. Wait, did you hear about how a judge or how ordered Jeff Sessions and the uh, Justice Department to turn a plane around after they had deported this woman? and this girl and so if the plane wasn't turned around that he would be held in contempt oh shit no yeah, i didn't yeah, hear I heard that. about that i heard about that so they they deported uh, a family and then uh the judge intervened yeah basically wow. I, I don't know the whole story but i know that the the judge told them to turn around the plane oh and, shit. um yeah they turned it around and they turned that shit right back around was it and um but you were saying it was just do we know who was on the plane was it just um like a mother and their child like a mother and a daughter or i mean yeah it was a mother and a daughter um i don't know the details of their case but i definitely know that judge said turn that plane around or jeff sessions will be held in contempt, contempt. he said all right i mean it's good that some of these judges, or most of these judges right now, are sticking up for and being on the side of the people, <laughs> unlike the um, the administration. But I don't want to actually talk too much about fucking Trump. I mean, we all know that this Paul Manafort trial is continuing to go. Some you know bombs have been dropped, and um, we're just going to continue to see what else goes on. You know, yeah. um, but. I want to actually talk to our listeners because we're going to be doing this series and um, <laughs> I'm just getting my phone out right now so that I could quote it uh, correctly because Pharaoh actually came up with it and it, I believe it was actually a, a genius uh a genius title so we're thinking of doing or speaking on um a series that we are calling chess or craps (laughs) and um pharaoh actually can you break it down a little bit because i don't want to like misquote you or anything like that i know he was the one who actually brought it up so so basically we're having a conversation about like the people we know who are wealthy and like the people we know who are poor and i think we all kind of came to the understanding that we're playing two different games like we're playing they're playing chess and we're playing craps Mm. we're gambling and they're like strategically setting themselves up for wins and because everyone's looking at the game differently it's why there's like such a large wealth gap and i really feel like your article kind of like summed that up that s shared um 
Because it kind of echoed that same theme. Like, there's two games going on here. Which one are you playing? Are you rolling the dice or are you moving your pieces? And um, so when you say they, just so we can break that down for our listeners and that they have the full context of what we're going to be speaking of, um, who are the they that you, uh, that you speak of, Pharaoh? I would say higher upper middle class and the wealthy, rich to wealthy, gotcha. that little echelon scale. Okay, so that socioeconomic um, group there. So, um, so this particular series we're going to be talking about um, more uh, within the black community. Is that fair? Is fair to say? Yeah. yeah. Um, so more in the the black community, how. Um, Things are being affected, like you know, banking, uh, you know, more uh, economic standings, career planning, education, heroes versus leaders, um, you know, hurdles of being, you know, black in America, you know, things of that nature. So um, today we're actually wanting to, you know, dive into uh, this particular um, title, or you know, within the series. Um, I want to say, is this a game of life? Which one are you playing? Mm. Well, I think this is like a uh, a broad view of the the concept that we're going to be going into, and then some of the um, subsequent episodes we'll be talking a little bit more specifically about specific events. So, can we say this is the being extra uh, being extraordinary to be on the level of an average white person? Well, be, it's kind of like the idea of respectability politics being twice as good. How African Americans mm. have to be twice as good as uh, whites in order to to gain an equal amount of success. Um, I like that. I think we're 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 diving a little bit into the the structural elements of why that takes place. Mm. Respectability politics. I like that. So, um, as I'm going to uh, bring it to you, this particular article um, that was shared so graciously um, by our man Estat uh, was actually on the Atlantic, and I'm actually trying to get the actual name of it um it actually is called the birth of a new american um and i i I feel so embarrassed to say um aristocracy thank you aristocracy thank you um so again the birth of a new american aristocracy so in this there's so many damn points in this fucking article so to our listeners we're just gonna you know um we're gonna say you know make sure to quote you know, as, as, you know, directly as possible. And this is just coming from our opinion. We're not saying that any of this is fact, right? Um, the get up, of course, we're, we just get together as uh, like-minded men and just try to, you know, put our opinion as professionally and as eloquently as possible, uh, but in our words, but in um, our opinion. So none of this is fact. Um, and hopefully that you guys get to read this, go check it out on the Atlantic, um, and then form your opinion. Then hopefully you can comment, you know, on iTunes or on SoundCloud, wherever. And also our IG, um, we'll have this up, um, on IG. So don't forget to comment, but go ahead. So I also kind of put a disclaimer in that the, you know, the statistics and the, the trends in the article are facts. Mm-hmm. Um, how, however you decide to react to them or, 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 you know, respond to them is a Opinion. So we'll be speaking off of factual evidence that anybody, whether you're on the right or the left, can agree with. Um, our conclusions, our conclusions, our opinion. Um, I dig it, S. Dot. <laughs> I dig it. I, I actually like the way that he said it. <laughs> if you agree with it or not, hey, we are. We're, this is the Atlantic. <laughs> no, I, I just think it's. I think at a certain point, everybody has to kind of go off of a specific thing of fact. Everybody wants to water down facts. Of, oh, they're all opinion. No, there are certain facts. Truth I in the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you know, there's our opinions based off of those. Yes. But you know, like stuff he was writing about, 
he, he was using factual statements. Okay. So uh, go, let's, let's dive into this again, chess or craps, the game of life. <laughs> all right. And, uh, we'll see this, this, uh, what, what did we call it? Respectability politics. Well, I mean, I like um, this. so, so basically what the article is talking about is a lot of times we talk about like the, you know, like the 99%, like we are the 1% and we're talking about mil- uh, billionaires and, uh, they, you know, possess the majority of the wealth in America and, you know, um, they control a lot of the politics and society and things like that. What this article actually talks about is that the, while there are these billionaires and people who amass tons and tons of wealth, there's actually a very concrete set of the population who possesses actually the majority of wealth in the country and they have not changed for decades. So if you look at what goes on with the amount of wealth in the country if you look at the actual wealth transfer it transfers from i think it's something like the bottom 96 percent to the top like 0.1 percent but the amount of wealth that that middle portion has that top like four percent of the country has not changed for the last like two decades and it's looking like it's not going to change and the idea is that they're creating an aristocracy so if you think about the idea of aristocracy aristocracy is kind of a class system you're born into this place in society that you'll never leave you always have the rights and privileges of being an aristocrat and you kind of get to go through life like that and we're developing that within this country um and it ties into what we're talking about, the idea of playing chess or playing craps. And to be honest, when I first heard the name, I, I didn't particularly like the aesthetic of it. But mm. when you think about the the idea behind it, where they're playing a strategic game, while you know poor Americans are playing a game of chance, they're throwing dice and hoping that something happens. Mm. When you read this article, you see how much of it is planned on their part and how much of a just hopefully something good happens to you that we're playing exactly and I, and I think that's kind of like the hardcore point of it where that that title becomes genius because they're playing a game of strategy and we're playing a game of hopefully some shit happens yeah <laughs> that's so, right on our side uh, apparently on um it, within the article they were saying that uh mostly but not entirely of these aristocrats are white um and they said according to the pew research center um analysis african-americans represent about 1.9 percent of this top tenth of households and wealth um and then hispanics uh 2.4 percent and all other minorities including asian and multiracial individuals 8.8 percent and then it says even though those groups together account for 30 percent of the total population yeah so that goes to basically you're saying that this is not this is not going to be changing and has not changed for a few decades yeah you know they're they're in that position and i think what the article does and why it's so eye-opening is that it shows the way they guard their position Mm. so like i think a lot of times we think of america as a meritocracy if you work hard you are able to get into this um the society Mm -hmm. but really they've rigged the game so much that no matter how hard you work you still may not be able to get into that caste system and no matter how much they mess up it's hard for them to fall out of it. Yeah. They will always be within that that specific segment of the population and it's really it's so extraordinarily hard to move up into it. Oh yeah. Um and I, I think that is the part that's eye opening. The way they think about college admissions, the way they think about the SATs, the way they think about wealth accumulation and the the specific jobs that they choose to to go into. Yep. And um I think those are the kind of things that we're gonna talk about today. But just the idea behind how they are guarding that position 
with their lives and the way they're setting up tax structures and voting and things like that to make sure that they are always going to be well off and that everybody else has to kind of fight their way around. And in the article, they, they were saying that's the 0.1%, not the 9.9%. That's a, yeah, that's the 0.1% that basically are the ones who are able to shape politics that that I was saying within the article. Well, not so much like shape politics, but um, the way that, for instance, like um, if you look at like tax policy, how tax policy disproportionately helps them oh yeah oh, oh and I agree. you know yeah. and um oh, certain, there's certain yeah. things like that where those things they're going to help them a lot more than they're going to help everybody else mm-hmm. um and you know if you look at these individuals even though they may be even liberal it's part of the reason why they still believe in a lot of these capitalistic ideas is because it, it benefits them way more than it benefits everybody else oh yeah so um they so these aristocrats um that we basically speak of are, you know, let's say those San Francisco, like those those uh, techies, you know, that are in, you know, San Francisco. Um, you would say a lawyer, a dentist, like these particular positions um, uh, and roles. These are the, you know, the aristocrats that, that um, this particular article is talking about. Um, so uh, fa- also, could yeah. I add? Could I add a point? Oh yes, most definitely. That they sir. believe that they that they believe they're middle class. Yes, like a good yeah. portion of them believe they're middle class. So they talk bad about the rich while wanting to be the rich. Mm. Yes, no, that is true. Um, And so within the article, I actually just want to read a passage here. Um, So it's just kind of, you know, what Estat was saying. It says, like, so these special forms of wealth offer the further advantages that they are both harder to emulate and safer to brag about than high income alone. They said our class walks around in jeans and T-shirts inherited from our supposedly humbled beginnings. Uh, We prefer to uh, signal our status by talking about um, our organically nourished bodies and awe-inspiring feats, you know, of our offspring and the um, ecological correctness of of our neighborhoods and so forth. So these are, you know, the as you know even as pharaoh was saying uh the type of uh the type of people that you know are that they consider themselves middle class and and speak of you know how hard it was to to you know get to their particular position but within the article there's so many different uh you know uh i would say correlations if you want to if you want to call it to that they like where their parents like you know came out or basically landed you know they're basically the middle percent and they were able to um i mean middle class or whatever born like basically close to that particular position like within their um you know economic status and then go further but if you were born in you know shitty conditions or whatever the case is you know um that you're not going to be you're not you're you you're once you're born into that, you're not going to then further, for the most part, what they're calling in the, in the statistics, that you're going to further your economic standing within the world. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the um, key points that the article made that I found to be so, um, so very interesting was that um, if you look at all the economic mobility within yes. the United States, it all occurs in that 9.9% that they are talking about, the upper 9.9%. Yeah. That's where all of the mo- mobility takes place. If you are born within the 0.1% of Americans who you know, are like billionaires, you're not moving up or down. You have billions of dollars. That's where you always are. Mm-hmm. And if you are in that bottom 90%, 
you're not moving anywhere either. You usually stay right where you are. And if you're in poverty, if you're, you know, making like $30,000 a year or something like that, you're really never moving. You're in a cast. It is impossible to get out of there. But if you are within that 90%, that's when you're able to move up and down and back and forth. You have all this, all this ability to move. And I think that's a lot of the times why they believe so much in meritocracy because they have a lot of mobility. Even if it's like a weird mobility where they're they're going from making $80,000 to Mm $100,000. For that's mobility like oh i'm able to move up i'm able to make from eighty thousand dollars to two hundred thousand to three hundred thousand there we go but you're still within a specific cast rank where like if you or somebody who's making thirty thousand dollars you're never moving anywhere from that and we're always wondering like why aren't they kind of doing better but there are a lot of specific things that are hampering them from doing it oh yeah um, oh yeah like another point i thought was so so interesting was and and it, it rang especially true to me was um they were talking about how you know you have two two kids they go to some exclusive college you know some top 10 university they find somebody else who's kind of within the same social class they marry and boom they're twice as rich i just that i was reading that too i think that was a part that was like kind of (laughs) towards the beginning of it and yeah so keep going keep going and i rank true to me because i was looking at my particular story Mm. me and and my fiance and i'm like I'm like, oh yeah, that that's exactly what happened yep. to, to me and her. You know, we both went to the same school, we graduated, we got good jobs, we we're planning on getting married, and boom, you know, we're twice we're, as rich. Twice as rich. Mm. We're we're in another another um economic class. Yeah. And it's like a lot of people, especially if you are in that bottom percent of you know, that bottom ninety percent, it's very unlikely that you're getting married. But yeah, get married to somebody who has enough money to put you into another social class yeah. and make you twice as rich. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. then also like just the 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 things that you just get. Like for instance, like, you know, my fiance is the only child, her parents own a house. Oh, so, so right there, that's again a, just she has her parents in her life. Yeah, yeah. Just but like even if like after that point again, you just get like if if they were to, you know, at some point pass away, yeah. all of a sudden, you know, another $500,000 yeah. in the bank. Boom. You're in another, it's just given to you. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. these things is given where like, if you know, you had one parent who rented, they died. That's another bill for you. That's not, that's not a, an economic boost. Yep. Um, and I, and I found that to be very, very interesting and very just like, I, I want to kind of tailor off on, not tailor off, but kind of like, you know, just hang on to your end there. So it says, according to the, um, to Harvard political scientist, Robert Putnam, 60 years, 60 years ago, just 20% of children born to parents with a high school education or less lived in a single parent home. Now that figure is nearly 70%. Among college educated households, by contrast, the single parent rate remains less than 10%. And since the 1970s, the divorce rate has declined significantly among um, among college educated couples, which uh, while it has risen dramatically among couples with only a high school education, even as marriage itself has become less common, um, the rate of single parenting is in turn and the the single most significant um, uh, predictor of social mo- immobility across uh, uh, counties, according to a study led by the Stanford um, economist Raj Chetty. So, so all right. So now let's let's go on. Let's. I wanted to like kind of go off of that and you know keep diving into that. Right. Right. So basically, the article is saying that with um, you, you know even in certain passages are saying that. 
if you don't have the economic standing, so to speak, like the 9.9, like in regards to the true, if you want to call them the actual middle class and, um, and not the poors, they have, or poor people or, you know, people who aren't making a certain, um, salary well, amount. Who aren't the aristocrats. So like, exactly. I mean, we can define it just real quick. So yeah. like the 0.1% or people like Donald Trump and Bill Gates and people like that. Those are, those yes, are the 0.1%. Yeah. The ability yeah. to really affect the economy. Yeah. Then you have the bottom 90%. So not that 99% that everybody counts like, oh, we're the 99. No, you really have the bottom 90%. Mm. And those are the two who are siphoning wealth from each other. So yes. the 0.1% is taking all the wealth from the bottom 90%. 90%. This article is talking about that middle 9.9%. Yep. So people who are making around 500,000 500, yep. to you know, 5 million, 10 yeah. million. Yeah. That is the group that they're talking about that is this aristocratic bunch. Yeah. <laughs> So yep. so just go ahead. I oh, just yeah. wanted to kind of define our variables. Before exactly. We... <laughs> so so um, you and they know. have the actual mobility because they're the only ones actually generating new wealth. Exactly. I feel like the article kind of allude to that. Like these guys are starting new professions, building new wealth, while the rich are just taking from the poor, and the poor are just suffering. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and the poor are just having no more money. <laughs> exactly. No, that's that's kind of what's going on. But within the article, um, so kind of going on like families and so forth within the article the um the basically the author of this is basically saying that he was born into uh an aristocratic family yeah um his grandfather uh was in the oil business uh you know one of the early adopters if you want to call it like early company adopters or whatever is is that correct uh yeah from his, what you got well his his father was like grand like great grandfather or something like that was part yeah. of the standard oil it's part of like a scandal where they were like still he was part of the government and they were stealing yep, yep. money from the government and, yep. and they left. So ways, of course, uh, that this author uh, states that uh, the 9.9% continue to, I would say, uh, I would say hold their wealth is by marrying like a sort of mating is what he would call it. Right. right. Assortative mate, mating where you could only marry almost like a caste system. Right. Like that yeah. was over in Asia that you can only marry uh, somebody who, or even, yeah, caste system, who is basically in your same, like, economic, socioeconomic uh, standing. And that's how they continue to conserve um, or continue to, you know, hold their economic standing. Yeah, hold their wealth. Hold their wealth, yeah. Um, and then also, uh, I'm really glad that he uh, that you brought this up. So they call this the Great Gatsby Curve. Um, and so this particular curve um, is basically within inequality and class immobility. Um, and within it, once you go to the article, it has the United States, the UK, Italy, and France. Um, did you see that particular uh, that the, like that a, chart? Uh, only I I heard what he said about it because I I listened yeah. to the article as like an audio book. I didn't. Oh okay, um, I got you. <laughs> that's oh, why I didn't okay. see I got the chart. So there's this guy named Alan Kruger, an economist. Um, uh, sorry, economist and a former chairman of uh, of Obama's administration council for economic advisors. Uh, basically, was reviewing the international mobility data when he caught a glimpse of the fundamental process underlying our present moment. And he's saying rising immobility and rising inequality aren't like two pieces of drift driftwood that happen to have shown up on the beach at the same time. He's like they wash up together on every shore uh, across um, countries. The higher the inequality, the higher this IGE he calls it, and this. IGE is, oh, I just had it not too long ago. Some like crazy word that he actually, you know, brought up, so to speak. But it goes together with inequality and class immobility. And so this 9.9%, they continue to hold this wealth with, you know, this uh, particular 
you know, word that I just actually authoritative mating. And then um, the other ways, of course, they keep keep this is uh, by, you know, the schools that they continue to go to and so forth. And we don't we know people for the most part. Could we like ha, do we know people that uh, say that you may have gone to like college with or whatever that you can kind of the S thought that you can kind of like put together that would kind of resemble this uh this you know gatsby curve or or uh inability uh, yeah say like a, you know a lot of people who i went to school with would be um i don't know if they represent specifically the gatsby curve okay i i think if you're looking at the gatsby curve i think it would be it'd be instructive to kind of look at um if you have a friend who's really kind of you know in the struggle right yeah. now then you know we have ourselves who are fundamentally middle-class americans mm. and then you have people who are who are in this in the system um, I think that is the best way because I, I have a friend and um, we were kind of talking about her a little bit. Um, she she went to the same school as as I did. Yep. Um, she went to school for engineering. She got a job in you know consulting, and basically she gets to kind of travel around the world doing a little consulting, mm. taking you know pictures, going to different countries, living basically living this phenomenal life. Exactly. Um, and you know. For her, I mean, I, you know, they'd probably resent me saying this, but I, I always say that if you're looking at it, she was born into a specific amount of money. Mm. And she, you know, worked hard. She got good grades, things like that. But she didn't do anything particularly extraordinary to end up in the position she's in. Yep. She was just able to follow the path that was set out before her. Exactly. You know, she was able to get, um, you know, tutors that helped her with SATs and also tutors to help her get into college. Mm -hmm. She went to, you know, college. Um, she did, you know, the right thing, whatever. Exactly. Was able yeah. to get a job in consulting. And she, she had a certain amount of market power to create a certain amount of salary so that she can she can live in a certain fashion. Whereas if you are somebody who who is born at the bottom of this curve, you have to be a very extraordinary human being in order to make it to that yep. to that um yep. position. Exactly. So for her, she just had to kind of, you know, do well and kind of do the right thing. For somebody else who is born in, you know, poverty or who's born at the bottom of the 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 wealth spectrum, they would have to go so far above and beyond to get to that point that they would be an extraordinary human being just to get there. Just They'd to be, get there. you know, like they would yeah. have to just be. A, I don't even know how to describe it, but um, and I think that kind of shows that curve is where it's so so hard for somebody to jump into a job like that, where yeah. it is somebody who was born into that amount of wealth. It's it's fairly easy. They understand what they're going to be doing from like high school exactly you know so, what I'm saying? yeah i want to kind of which is and I, I apologize for kind of reading so much from this article but just to kind of like give our readers like certain passages from this article and then also make sure you, you know you go take a look at it but um from this article it says the institute for policy studies calculated that setting aside money invested in durable goods such as furniture and a family car the median black family had net wealth of one thousand seven hundred dollars in 2013 and the median latino family had two thousand dollars compared to a hundred and sixteen thousand eight hundred for the median white family um, a 2015 study in boston found that the wealth of the median white family there was two hundred and forty seven thousand five hundred while the wealth of the median african american family was eight 
dollars. <laughs> that is not a typo. The, the, that's two $8. grand cappuccinos. <laughs> that and another three hundred thousand cups of coffee will get you into the nine point nine percent. So just to keep going on, I just want to because this article. Thank you, Estad, for kind of like going through it. Is like it's, it's so uh, it's eye opening. So you said, imagine yourself as a socioeconomic ladder with one end of a rubber band around your ankle and the other around your parents' rung. The strength of the rubber determines how hard it is for you to escape the rung on which you were born. If your parents are are high on the ladder, the band will pull you up should you fall. So that kind of goes to your point in regards to say you, you know your friend um, you know she her parents were at a particular you know aspect and yeah they they worked hard don't get don't yeah. get us wrong we're not saying that they just acquired this and this is um, you know you know white privilege whatever the case is it's, it's nothing like that they they were able to work and you know get to their to get to this point yeah. go ahead yeah no I was gonna say it goes to the idea and I think it, it ties back into what we were saying they're playing a different game than we are exactly and they know the rules of the game. So, mm. for instance, like if we were to go on a field and we were playing football and you had never heard of football in your life and I knew about football, yeah. I don't have to be particularly good at football to beat you, mm. right? I can be average. Yeah. I can. I know how to throw the ball. I know how to catch it. I know how to do basic things. Yep. And I'm able to do very well in the system where you have no idea what is going on on the field and yep. you can't win. Yeah. So just to <laughs> keep going on, because I want to keep going on with that. They so said, so if your parents are high on the ladder, the band uh, will pull you up should you fall. If they are low, it will drag you down when you start to rise, right? So if you think about it, like and and fair, I just want to, I mean, fair, yeah, I want to see if you can like chime in on this if, if, you, th- if you think, um, you know, in, what, in regards to like what you think about this. So in regards to, um, you know, being born Born at a particular point, and of course, it, the, people are born into this particular, um, you know, into into the world, not knowing and not choosing where they where they uh, where they lie. But you know, fair. I actually wanted to see if I can pick your brain. Is there? Do you know of any like philosophers that may like kind of talk on this particular point of you know social immobility, uh, you know, for the poor or the ninety percent? I mean, I feel like philosophers have been talking about it forever. I mean, Aristotle kind of always said the poor and the rich will always distress each other because the system we're talking about, it's always kind of been set up this way. Mm. Through education, schools, through whoever your father is, that determines where your life is pretty much going to go. Think about how us as a group most of us if something happened to us we have family who we can fall back on we're not going to fall to the bottom and be homeless nine out of ten um in our group of our social group yeah whereas you know people who if something happens to them they have nobody they can call on like they're like for one tragedy away from being homeless <laughs> so i think that's the point about rubber bands and being able to bounce back your social support like what you're really born into really decides your race and that's kind of always been civilization Mm. so a particular philosopher sure there's probably a thousand of them exactly right (laughs) because this has been something this has been something we've always talked about and in great civilizations where there's a lot of wealth there's always a lot of poor yeah it's almost goes hand in hand um no one's ever Mm. really figured out how to balance this out where you have a thriving system where people live a quality life without it infringing upon the privilege of being top of the ladder mm. and that's and that's exactly what they've been talking about right so i would want to kind of just like change topics a little bit but not really um but 
this is really you know good that we actually have people like LeBron James, right? He's opening a public school for at-risk youth in Akron, Ohio, named I Promise, right? Mm-hmm. So he's starting to see the, you know the inequalities that you know, of course, uh, the ninety percent for the most part, right, um, have is. It's, you know, starting at school, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so he's opening this particular school and it's offering, you know, or they, the kids are able to receive free meals. Their parents are able to receive job placement services, you know, free tuition to University um, of Ohio Akron. You know, once they graduate, uh, he was, you know, LeBron James was able to open, uh, you know, work something out there. But that's just amazing for these kids, you know, especially these parents um, who are coming from a socioeconomic standing that, you know, this rung that they have, this rubber band that, you know, these they, they, the ki- their kids have attached to them, they're not going to be able to go anywhere just because of, you know, you know, this, this caste system that, that, you know, that they're in, you know? Think about this. Imagine if basketball players and football players started building schools in the hoods they came from yeah. 10, 15 years ago. Where would we be as a people? That's so true. I just I put up this meme where they're saying, um, actually, let me pull it up just so I don't like misquote it because it, I actually I, this was uh, speaking of the churches and I don't know if any of our listeners are are heavy uh, you know religious people, but. Um, yeah, but it says LeBron did what churches should have done with your tithes years ago, but keep paying him though. <laughs> but that's so true. That goes right off. You're not going to find any disagreement. <laughs> that's why when I first saw it, and this was just I stumbled upon it. I, you know, of course, whoever posted it, but um, I was like, damn, I'm really having a hard time disagreeing with that. Like with all this money that they these mega churches, right? They get you're going to try to tell me that you couldn't have built several schools? Nah, Cleflo Jala. Needs- the jet bro <laughs> god daddy need that Stand jet up. i need to fly above these haters <laughs> and i'm <laughs> I just, yes. oh my goodness <laughs> i was like what is it like that is so true i have no like lebron did what just as fred was saying what other um other particular nba players and in football players should be doing right and just kind of go and you know keeping on sports and so forth right so now there's these these preseason games i know pharaoh you're you're like you know why are we talking about this but i just want to wait no hold on before you leave that but think about the system that we just talked about with the 9.9 percent yeah this is what they really have schools education these are the things that are greasing their social mobility Mm. and because these low-end schools kind of guarantee they're going to get into the higher institutions that brand you as someone we can let up the ladder like it's all right there like if people are gonna get money in our society and not help our people out then the money's worthless to us and they're worthless to us as stars i would also say too that i think it it i think a lot of times um white americans don't particularly understand how much money was just given to them throughout the 1940s 50s 60s and 70s at least uh before not not during the 70s because the 70s was a huge economic downturn Mm -hmm. but if you look at the the money that was given to them during the gi bills and doing a lot of the new deal they just had money given to them so if you look at for instance um the homestead act they were able to go out west pick a plot of land and boom they had that land for free that's hundreds of thousand dollars that you just have gi bill you are able to go to college for free think about that so college right now if you were to go to a black black african-americans so yeah, yeah. Think about that. Like right now, if you want to go to a top ten college, you're gonna spend at least two hundred thousand dollars to yep. go to that college. Yeah. That's two hundred thousand dollars in your pocket. That's two hundred thousand dollar check to mm. you. Yeah. That's money that you have. So when you think about people who are able to move into this class, 
it wasn't just because they kind of worked hard and moved into that class and now it's calcifying. The government just gave them money. They allowed them to buy homes. Yeah. So a lot of their wealth. So when you look at that wealth thing that um you yeah, know, that was um, in there, Bellevue yeah. was talking about. Yeah. A lot of that wealth is um, property and homes. Mm. And the reason is because we were redlined. We weren't allowed to buy high-value homes. We were not allowed to get those loans. But the government was giving out these very low-interest loans to white people, and they were able to build wealth off those things. So when somebody like LeBron opens up a school and says, I'll send you to college for free – that's really where that helps because that's a wealth transfer. That's yep. a that's a hundred thousand dollar check. Here you go. Mm. Start off your life like that instead of with a lot of millennials. How we have to start off our life is second we graduate from college with two hundred thousand dollars in debt already. Thank you. You know what I'm saying. Yep. And a lot of these people who are, who exist in this aristocracy when they graduate, they graduate debt free. They can go do whatever they How need many, to do. Like I I, I have like uh, kids that um. You know, I went to school with, and they're like, "Yeah, my parents paid. Like, my parents had the ability to pay off my college." And and I was like, "Just imagine if you did not have a student loan bill. Like, where would you, where where would you be? What bottles would you be popping? What island would you be on? What plane would you be people. taking a plane? You know, uh, a flight to?" The thing that pisses me off is when they're like, "Oh, millennials aren't buying cars and houses, really? Because we have a five hundred thousand dollars." Yeah. I mean, for like, how many? I know a girl who went to school. She paid $500,000 in student loans. She had a $1,000 student loan bill a month. That's a mortgage. That is a mortgage, yeah. That's a mortgage. Yep. So when you wonder why millennials aren't buying homes, it's That's a chain. You're, 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 paying for, <laughs> you're, you're paying for school. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, a like, chain. I like that, Pharaoh. <laughs> anyway, move on. <laughs> Get off my soapbox. It's something that annoys the question. No, but no, but keep going because I actually wanted to keep talking about that just because it makes it. You know, it, it it's one of those things that speaks to. Um, you know, just speaks to what's going on because even in the article, uh, I just wanted to quote again. They're saying like we're leaving the ninety percent in their offspring far behind in a cloud of debt and bad life choices that they somehow can't stop themselves from making. We tend to overlook the fact that parenting is more expensive and motherhood more hazardous in the United. United States and in any other developed country, the campaigns against family planning, reproductive rights are an, an assault on the families of the bottom 90%. And that law and order politics serves to keep even more of them down. We prefer to interpret their relative poverty as vice. Why can't they get their act together? So basically going along the lines of, you know, them looking down upon the 90%, like, look where we brought ourselves up from, you know, like the lowest of, you know, what they think is low and, you know, not really seeing the merits that they have been given yeah know? i was talking to my um i was talking to somebody about this the other day because mm. basically um one of their friends was um dating somebody who was in a different socioeconomic class okay okay than, um, so where was. were they like ex- so yeah you know they were like middle class there their family owned a home that they now kind of rent out of um so you know they're to live in the city for a pretty cheap amount of rent uh-huh. then like the media industry where this dude is you know from the hud um <laughs> and you know i was talking to this person and they were like um yeah well this person could kind of get it together you know if they just saved up they were able to do blah blah, blah things and i was like well i'm like think what happened to mm. this dude over the last couple of months if he tried to save up so i'm like i'm like i'm like just really think about it i'm like so because a bunch of things happened to him over the last three months and i was like think about it like i'm like first you're sitting there yeah you're trying to save up so let's say you saved up a couple hundred dollars all of a sudden 
your car breaks down. Yeah. You got thousand dollars to go to that. All your savings is now gone. So you pay for the car. You, you you save up a little bit more, you know, you're getting money. All of a sudden, you know, your insurance comes due because you have a shoddy insurance record because you aren't able to maintain your insurance because you don't have any Yeah. You don't have any bread. Yeah. That hits, all your savings is gone again. Oh. This is two months. So after that, right, you're really gonna keep it together. You're really gonna focus hard on saving your money and making it up. Start saving the money again. All of a sudden, your grandma dies. You have to pay for that because there's no money in the family, right? So you pay for that. All that money is gone. Yeah. And this happened within one year. Shit. And I'm like, this is somebody who's been living this way Damn. for decades. I'm like, that's a, like, that's a lot of shit. I'm like, but I'm like, think about that and then think about why this person has a problem saving money and, and doing the right things yep. all the time. Yep. It's because little dumb stuff keeps happening to you that's putting you back to square one yeah and we look at these people like oh why can't you get it together well get it together for what what's the point yeah even if they do get it together it's highly unlikely that getting it together is going to be helpful for them they'll just be easily able to mitigate these things so now instead of having minus two hundred dollars now you have zero dollars mm. like congratulations you know like it doesn't really make much sense for them yeah so i i think that a lot of times and this is also a um it's pretty established um cognitive cognitive bias okay so a lot of times when we're thinking about other people we place a lot of responsibility on the individual when when we think about ourselves we think about the circumstances which that you something happened oh okay okay so So, you know like for instance if i was saying oh why don't i work out it'd be because oh well you know i work i have to do a b and c blah 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 and then you would see a fat person you're like oh why don't they work out it's like oh because they're lazy you know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, it's that idea. Like, you don't think about the circumstances for the other person, but for you, there are tons of reasons why. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and I think we do that a lot of times with people who are in a different economic status as we are. Where we're like, for us, oh, yeah, no, it's just all hard work. We did everything right. And for them, it's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, like, if you just worked harder, you know and what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, for, like, me to say, oh, yeah, I have a lot of stuff going on. For them to say, well, just work harder, be a better person. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, 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 it's <laughs> that's, that all you, that's all you have to do, but damn well knowing that's not all you have yeah, to do Yeah, for in you, life. it's like a different thing, right? It's like, oh, yeah, you know, I have to pay for this, that, I have this bill, I have, well, well you know, there's a lot of circumstances. Yeah. For them, though, why would you do we it? Don't, we don't hold people account to a relative standard of our own account. Yeah. Mm. Say that again, Farrell. We don't hold people accountable to a relative standard that we hold ourselves to. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Completely true. I mean, everybody else should be doing what everybody else should be doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. You know, and then we're not looking at ourselves and just thinking. For you, you have a specific reason why that couldn't happen. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. oh, yeah, you know, there are other things going on. You guys just don't understand. But for them, it's like, oh, yeah, personal responsibility, bro. Get it together. And so, and so kind of just going back to your story. So she was basically saying, so what was, so her, what was, her, so she didn't understand why he, like, his particular situation. Because, I mean, that was, one, that wasn't her life and she was born into a different type of yeah, I mean, economic I, st- status. I think this is after I kind of said it to her in that fashion. It's yeah. easier to understand. Okay. But I think that a lot of times you kind of you push that on other people. Yeah. And I also think about that with just people who I know where I'm like, I'm like, I'm not fundamentally different than that person. Mm. I'm not fundamentally better at my life choices. I just was able to do a couple of basic things and I had a, had a couple of family members who helped me out. Mm. And that is the majority of difference why I am in the middle class and why they are in a different class than I am. But according to this article, you're not part of the middle class. Well, I'm not part of the middle class, but I'm close to it. And Closer. And then if you really think about it, if you really think about it, the fact that I am getting ready to 
to to marry somebody who's of a, that, a similar, yeah you that would propel your, me yeah. into the middle class yeah and that's the, that's that point right you meet somebody who in college who is in the same class as you and then boom you are twice as rich yeah no that's true <laughs> you know what I'm saying because yeah, once you, you marry which which is yours is mine right. mine is yours <laughs> and I was reading another article too yeah where did the article say that the nine point nine percent started at yeah like a range yeah no something they, between yeah. that and like five million right yeah there but that's the thing like I mean. Estat would be closer, but he wouldn't well, be. No, I would be middle. I wouldn't be part of this aristocracy. You wouldn't be part of that nine point nine because they're talking about like five hundred thousand. But if you're talking about like upper middle class, if you're talking about like upper middle class, you're talking about people who are around. I think it's like something like ninety to like a hundred and not according to 000. this article. No, 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 no. This article is talking about people who are part of a specific aristocracy. That nine point nine percent. That nine point nine. But if you're looking about America as a whole, okay. what put you in the middle? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then yeah, that yeah. would put you there. Cause yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. saying I'm part of that group. I'm not part of that group yet. I'm Shit. trying to get there. I'm trying to get there too. <laughs> it's, they said like you know most of the 9.9 their their heads are, or their necks are you know looking upwards. Yeah, looking up. I was like, Shit, aren't we all though? I'm, I'm just trying. To, you know, I'm trying to get in there. <laughs> I read the article. I feel bad but for the 90. percent How far below? Are you looking up? That's the question. No, that's true. That's if true. you're at the very bottom looking up, the fucking light looks like a star. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's a tiny dot that looks majestic. But if you're in the middle looking up, it looks like the moon. Like, oh, that bitch is almost touchable. <laughs> the higher you are, the more it looks like a sun. That's very true. I mean, if, if we think about it, um, I would want to say that, you know, and of course, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, fellas, but... Um, I want to say that, you know, from where our parents are, you know, we have been able to transcend, you know, um, what they've done, which is great, you know, according to their teachings and, and, and their lessons and, you know, what they provided us. And then that now we're able to, I would say, propel our, you know, uh, our kids and whatnot to to uh, to be better or even to get closer to that nine point nine. Hopefully they do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, so according to the article, that nine point nine percent is one point two million to yeah. two point four million. Yeah. Um, but and the millions and the yeah. M's, baby. But it's not even yeah. I, even when I think about it, I think about it a lot of with property. For instance, you know, my aunt owns a home. Um, you know, my my fiance's parents own a home. Yeah, if we both inherit those homes. Now you have. Yeah. Now you're in yeah. that that you're that, in that standing. that that exactly. same, that's inheritance. Yeah, nothing I did. You know, that's to, to get that money. Yeah, and and I think that a lot of times you you people don't really think about it that way. Mm. You know what I'm saying? They think about the money that they're. But making can't we can't we say that that's really where black people kind of lost the race? Just looking at it, kind of like from a historical family standard, like our grandparents, the majority, not the majority, but a good class of black people's grandparents owned homes. Oh yeah, but their children yes, were all on crack and shit okay. and whatever the fuck was that in the heyday disco and all that bullshit <laughs> and like didn't inherit those homes in the same degree that their grandparents got those they homes. said imagine so that means us us the generation after them we had to really if you you didn't get lucky you got screwed they, does that make sense yeah they said imagine if um those people who were in harlem at that time like in the 90s and of course it was it was not good at all but imagine if they kept those homes now like you would have millionaires all over the place no granted i don't believe black that. family yeah. millionaires yeah. home owning running harlem imagine 
And they were saying even like Diddy, like back then, imagine if he bought like any of these homes and so forth that were, you know, yeah. Jay-Z talks about it. He was able to buy uh, something in Dumbo and uh, and he ended up not doing it. And now that shit, had, he was like, it was 2.5 and now. <laughs> that's really, it's kind of, I, I was, I was. Hindsight's 2020, bro. That's true. Me no, that's, <laughs> that's true. I was reading about, I was reading about it and um, I was reading about the, the problem cities are having with housing mm. and I never looked at gentrification in this way as a macroeconomic force. But basically what they were saying is that if you look at the 90s, in the 90s, there was a unimaginable amount of wealth that kind of flowed into the country. But it was everywhere. Mm. So you could live, live in like, you know, wherever Iowa, and it's probably like a public utility or a car company that had some offshoot of whatever, and you can make money doing yeah, that. Yeah. If you look at the 90s, so the 90s, a lot of the wealth started going into these dot-coms. So they go into the dot-coms yes. in the 2000s, and all of a sudden, the dot-coms shut down. And it takes everything with it. Yeah. It takes all of Bruce. the... Blew the fuck up. Yeah, yeah. But blows up the economy. Mm. And then the economy starts to recover, but all that recovery goes to cities. It doesn't It doesn't go to Iowa anymore. No. It doesn't go to Nebraska. No. It's all in New York, Los Angeles, Seattle. Mm. Major so cities. it comes back up again, and then it crashes again, and the same thing happens. And that, The housing, right? Yeah, and that's what pushes everybody to the cities. Mm. So if you're looking at gentrification, and this is something that I always say when people are like, oh, why didn't they hold on to their houses? I'm like, nobody could have predicted that this was going was to happen. happen yeah. Because it wasn't something that just naturally happened. It happened yes. because the economy blew up twice and, and all the wealth went to finance and went to coding. Mm. And they all existed in cities. And then you had this huge migration of people where there was like 600, it was something like 600,000 people moved to Seattle in like a five-year period. Shit. And then you think about gentrification, it's like, well, there's no room for 600,000 no. people in the city, yeah. so they have to move outwards, yeah. and that's where they move. And if you're living in that city and you don't have enough money to stay there, you, you get moved out. out. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. like, I never thought about gent- uh, gentrification in that aspect, but when we're thinking about it, either. if you own that property, when all of a sudden that property went into that much demand, that's where you'd get black billionaires from, black millionaires from. Oh, yeah. But the fact of the matter is that due to things like redlining and, you know, um, um, oh, discriminatory yeah. exactly. lending practice, practices. Lending practice, exactly. What we weren't able to own homes. Yeah. We weren't able to own places in those places. And, and I mean, that's why even, we didn't own them. It even goes, it, it, it's even going towards now, too. I mean, you always hear, uh, I think Wells Fargo, um, you know, just a few years back was uh, caught uh, in some sort of like, um, you know, uh, yeah, discriminatory not practices. Exactly. Uh, not giving loans to, um, you know, to, to certain minority groups and, and, and so forth, or giving them loans uh, where, you know, the interest rate would, you know, would would shoot up at much higher rates exactly exactly so oh. this is where like this disproportionate um you know in regards to the the wealth gap uh where that's happening yeah and like how, if you really think about like think about um you know if you think about williamsburg and bushwick uh Brooklyn, oh yeah oh yeah it's owned primarily by jews mm. and the and that's, reason is because even though you know they were a, a sort of marginalized population they were still able to work off the banking system where True. we were not just allowed in that banking system, yeah. this this totally held out. They actually had a, a shot at like you know getting something, and we weren't even allowed. Yes, in. and they were able to invest in their own communities, mm. really build up their own communities. Even though like you know, there's a huge. They are one of the largest users of Section Eight housing. Yep, in yep, the city. In, in New York City. But yep. in in regards, they still own it. Yes. you know what I'm saying. Yeah, they still own it, and that the is same part thing of the could reason. Be say about um, uh, Chinatown, right? Well, no, China. The the, the Chinese are the poorest population by race 
in New York City. And oh wow, okay, so they they they're, don't they're own, poorer like, than blacks. They're poorer than Latinos. Shit, okay. <laughs> the Asian population. Yeah, and you know, um, but yeah, I, I think you know, I think it's very important to understand the history of of finance within this country because then you understand why certain things happened the way they did. Yeah. Um, because yeah, if you lived in one of these places in the eighties and in the nineties, there were hell holes for a lot of people. Yeah, no, they were. They, that's why they shit. moved out yeah. and they probably didn't own it anyway because they weren't able to get a loan. And if they did get a loan, that loan was at 35% that was going to shoot up, shoot up and yeah. they were going to kick you out anywhere. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, like a lot of it, there's a reasons for why this yeah. wealth wasn't transferred to us where a lot of these whites were able to hold on to that, that money. Yeah. And this article, um, again, as thank you for it. It sheds light on so many different, um, aspects where um it could it shows where you know african americans uh and minorities uh of all kinds have for the most part you know been held down or you know and and and, uh muffled for the most part right and and now uh within this particular time things are starting to change but we're seeing how um much of a head start you know white americans really do have you know and that's why um you know that of course that's why they say like you know white privilege and so forth and yeah of course that to any you know single person that you know that would feel like an attack on them but they're they're thinking you know by this the, by this uh that by the meritocracy you know system this great gatsby curve you know yeah. and um but not really seeing it right not seeing it and 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 thinking you know egotistically about it i always think it's easier to understand somebody explains it to you than to saying something like check your privilege yeah i feel like that's a very accusatory and people are going to be annoyed like what are you talking about like i i I worked hard i studied Mm. hard for those tests yes i i filled out a lot of applications i got into that school i did well to it's hard to do well in those schools but if you really if you really unpack the history of how you were able to get that to they talk about nannies yeah, to, you know, having nannies that are like, like college educated. Yeah, you're not having a nanny if you're like living in you know Section Eight housing or any or in the or in in like an urban setting. You know, but in the city, like even the idea to know to do that. Exactly. You know who exactly like, like to yeah. know that I need a tutor to to do the SATs or to have a yeah. consultant to get me into college. Like those types of things to even know that that is important. We were speaking on that. Yeah, we like because the thing is, um, they actually had a, a scene in um. And uh, dear white people on Netflix, and they were in. Um, it, what baffled me was the um, the 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 thought that um, I, you you know the um, the black girl who acts white or whatever that yeah, yeah. you know, and she was like, so she is going into this particular college knowing what to do, right? Because her family, I know she came from Compton or something like that, and she just brought herself up, but somehow she knew of you know within being in like you know certain like social groups yeah. of what to do to get to these particular places right Right, right. so like i remember like you and i were speaking of it and like you know certain people like when they go into cornell they're like uh well you know we know what to do to be an investment banker and what will get me to this point yeah like that 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 information is not shared across the you know across everybody you know for everybody yeah i mean for instance one of the things the article talks about is that and this goes back to our concept of chess and craps Mm. so the specific tied careers together, tied that, yes. that they choose are different than the careers that you know the average american chooses mm. they want to go they want to be doctors they want to be lawyers they want to be consultants or they want to be in finance mm. and these are all areas where they exercise a huge amount of market power so basically it's very easy for them to negotiate their salaries mm. so if you want to be a, a lawyer you have to pass the bar which 
the bar is basically holding out a lot of people from becoming lawyers. It basically stops. It's basically a it's a gatekeeper. Mm. It stops those people from coming in and basically manages the supply of lawyers. There's only going to be a certain amount of people who are lawyers, and that's because the bar keeps certain people out. As long and as therefore, if it, you yeah. are a lawyer, you are able to dictate how much money you make. Same thing with doctors. You have to pass specific exams. You have to you know get through Go to that school thing for a long ass time. And it, it weeds out a good amount so that the supply of doctors is a lot lower than the amount of doctors that are needed. But you would need that capital. You would need that money to continue yep. to keep going on in those schools. It's, you know, it's there's a lot of gatekeepers to the fields that they're trying to get to. Mm. Um, and therefore, they choose careers where if they go into those careers, they don't have to be extraordinary. You don't have to be the best doctor. But if you are an average doctor, you still make a shit ton of money. If you are average, well, not so much with lawyers. Um, no, not but, anymore. I heard it's uh, struggling for lawyers. But with lawyers, if you're in the top 10 school, you can make something over like 100 Well, because 000. someone figured out the secret to the bar a few years back, and now it's over too many lawyers. So the demand is not where it should be to keep their money supply high. No, and so talk about that. So, because what happened again? Again? Um, I mean, so basically, the, the 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 bar is now one of those tests that, like, so many people have taken, it's mapped out. So there's more lawyers than the system has need for. I heard that. Yep, I heard that. Kind of like being a lawyer is kind of like being an investment maker right now. Like, if you're in the top ten school, and if you are a lawyer. Um, you're able to make a ton of money. Mm. Um, if you fall outside of that range, you're struggling. And it's primarily because a lot of um, law work is now automated. So a lot of stuff you had to do as a lawyer, you usually had to go through tons and tons of files to find A, B, and C. It took a lot of lawyers to do it. Now you can have a computer do it. It reads out a lot of people. And now all you really need is a couple of people with fancy degrees to really Shit. impress your clients. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you, you look at these fields, they're able to exercise market power, where if you look at the fields that a lot of African-Americans go into, they're always trying to get into, like, sports, entertainment, entertainment marketing, yeah. places where you do not command a salary unless you are extraordinary. Mm. That's the gamble. Because you would have to be extraordinary to get yeah. into by by way of exactly all of the uh, the walls that you had to and the, and the challenges that you had to you know uh, overcome. You to know, make money as a basketball about. player, you have to be one of the top basketball players in the world. Yeah. To make money as a musician, you have to be one of the top musicians in the world. To make money as a consultant, you have to be a good consultant. Mm. <laughs> like you have to yeah. go to you have to go to school and get B's. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's, it's a different game that they're playing. But and who we're ever looking knew that you could go to school to be a consultant. Like I never. Like, I remember when, um, you know, Estat and I were speaking of this, and I was like, I didn't even know that a consultant beforehand was an actual position that you could be, like a consultant. Like, what yeah. the fuck? <laughs> I didn't know that was, a, I didn't know that was a job, and that was that school. I'm like, I didn't know, I didn't know so much, and when I, when I graduated and I looked at what people were doing, and then I understood what they were doing in college. Yeah. But it's one of those things where it's like the information gap. And, yeah. You know, like, a lot of, a lot of... African Americans, they just don't know the game that they're playing, but yeah. these kids know it from from Jump Street. Because talk about <laughs> that information gap, right? I remember, um, of course, in, in our many conversations again, when you were just when you were telling me of the uh, the job uh, career fairs that they had there, and I was like, and uh, fair, I was I was kind of comparing that to the job fairs that we had at Johnson Wales, and I was like, hold up, like you guys had way more, you know, companies and so forth that came out, uh, uh, you know, looking, you know for that but of course johnson wills we went to a, a school that was predominantly for you know culinary students so <laughs> you had all of those there but i mean still you know not even 
even his school his school is much more renowned than our school is. True. Like his is an internationally renowned school. Ours is like maybe known heavily on the East Coast. <laughs> the East Coast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I, I do think like Johnson and Wales is is, is known for for culinary. So yeah. you probably had like a lot of you know like restaurants had, yeah. and people who you know wanted to do that there. But like I knew I I knew a girl who went to a high school and the CIA recruited at the high school. Yeah, at the high school, high school, <laughs> not the college at the high Shit. school. Um, and you know like um, I I just learned that like for instance for instance clubs. Yeah. In high school, you're like, oh, I join a club here or there. Not Whatever. really knowing, like... It doesn't really make much difference to yeah. you. At my school, if you joined the finance club and was actually able to become an analyst in the finance club, you could probably get a, a pretty good job in investment banking. And when you got that job, you're making 100000 a year out of college. Out of college. Out of college. 100000 Shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that much money. I think that, like, if you really... I think something like, like Facebook interns... Make something like some ridiculous amount of money during the summer, something like ten thousand, like twenty thousand dollars. Be a Facebook intern during the summer. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, like this, this, this little stuff like that that you don't particularly get. Like, I never understood how important extraordinary in regards, you know, for African Americans when you can just be basic for the most part. Yeah, you can just they just know to apply. Yeah, and they know to join the club. Yeah, and they know to be and they're friends with the 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 person who's in the club because they're in that person's frat. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? In that person's fraternity. Yeah. Um. So like. The stuff like that, like they are able to gain access to these little channels that just keeps their access close, mm. close knit. It's yeah. all the time. They, they 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 join the frat, then they're part of the the finance club or the consulting club yeah. or the the engineering club or the coding club. They're able to get good positions in there. Now they are quote unquote VP in the quote you know the coding club. Yeah, and therefore they can put that on their resume and they can get a good job at Google and Facebook and Microsoft. And yeah. now they're making hundred thousand dollars a year. Where like I don't know the VP, I don't know the the head of the finance club. Therefore I can't get that position because I don't particularly think it's even that important. And then I don't get a job at Morgan Stanley. Where you know what I'm saying like stuff like that. Like you don't particularly understand. The was talking about <laughs> internships too because you were talking about facebook interns and stuff and they were saying that most of these kids like you know coming out of high school or whatever the case is that are in these higher you know economic um the socioeconomics uh you know backgrounds that they know and they have the you know mom or dad knows a and b who you can get an internship with right and i think remember you were telling me because the church that you went to right yeah, yeah. they knew or their parents knew yes go for that internship because then you could have been placed you know or you can have a job there one day you know yeah i mean i i think too like i think kind of the way um me and you kind of grew up where we yeah. were kind of thrust into um different social circles yes um i went to church with the the um the cfo of american express and um one time when i was i was in like high school he had offered me a, an internship at american stress and i just didn't think much of it or to f- even follow up on it and nobody and nobody could have yeah. told you yo no you really probably should go do that like, like my mom was like oh yeah that's great that's phenomenal you know and then she never mentioned it again yeah and like for, like for me now Shit. if i had a kid Shit. and that kid was offered motherfucker that, you better hurry up and go there Shit, what do you got calling do? them like <laughs> the next day i'm like oh yeah yeah you know like get it like for, like you're doing that like well, i don't care now. what you think yeah but like i didn't understand. i would be calling her for my kid like <laughs> yeah. you know, it's not friday it's not friday it'll be there brain 
Larry Nerly with a suit and tie. Oh, yeah. He's the best behavior, too. You're going to get him working right away. And call me if he's not doing good. I will come down there. I will beat that ass. You let me know if he step out of the line. He don't give you a yes, ma'am. You let me know. Yeah, like, you know what I'm saying? But, like, you know, my, you know, my mom was like an artist. You know, yeah. she was part of, like, she, like she, she didn't particularly, like, she kind of knew, but, like, you know, she had other things going on. Exactly. Um, so, like, the stuff like that where like like now that I know now that I've received that knowledge, that knowledge. I could prepare a kid to do much better than I understood it to be. Mm. So like one time I remember when I was in school and I was learning about the United States educational system and I had this professor and he was always like he was like a lot of people say socioeconomic status and they don't really mean that. They're talking about two different concepts. Okay. Social status and economic status are not the same thing. Because I know I've used that word quite a few times yeah. just now. And um, and I think that's the situation where social status and economic status are two very different things. Mm. I had a much higher social status than I had an economic status. Yeah. It wasn't because of my economic status that I didn't take that position. It was because of my social status. It was, yeah. My, you know, my where I came from, my family, they just didn't understand how important it was. That they was, understood yeah. it was important, but they didn't understand how important it was. Mm. But through my social status and the circles I was with, I was able to get offered something like that. Mm. So I had a very different social status than I did the economic status. But those things affected exactly how I I behaved in that situation mm. and that was very important so i think that that's kind of something that you know a lot of you know white people they may not have the economic resources that a lot of these people have and therefore they're like oh i came out from being very poor my parents with abc but they had a very high social status yes they were able to operate in circles that we were not able to operate we weren't in. we didn't have the and access. therefore they were able to do things that we weren't able to do mm. and i think that's an important thing to to you know understand like there was this one statistic that I thought was very interesting where it was like African Americans usually live in places about I think it's like something like thirty percent below their their economic status. Oh, so sure. like if they make eighty thousand dollars a year, they're they usually live in, in a place that has an average of like thirty thousand dollars a year. Yeah. But white people live usually above it. So they usually live in places where the people are making about thirty percent more. Change their social making. circle, yeah. But that's the circle that they can yeah. they can survive in, that's yeah. where they want to be at. And, and they know to be in those They know to be there, yeah. and that affects them a lot more positively than us living very well in these impoverished areas. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's playing a different game. We're going back game. to it. Chess or craps, which <laughs> one do you want to play? Um, fair, I actually wanted to ask you because, like, even, um, you know, while we were in college, you, uh, you were – you know, hanging out at Brown and so forth. Um, would you know uh, by any chance of anybody, you know, of course, black students, um, you know, uh, how basically how they have fared like after, you know, being at Brown, like have, have you had any like conversations or have they like spoken to you about like their, their trek, so to speak, like after college and, and going to a, a prestigious <laughs> university? Oh yeah. They're living the good life. You just have to get into the schools, bro. Mm. I always realized that, like, a lot of the, like, black people I would meet at Ivy League institutions, you meet them, like, their first few years, they're still kind of, like, from their neighborhood. But by junior, senior year, they're, they're dressing different. They got loafers <laughs> on. Like, they're just a whole different person because it's finally clicked to them that there's a different game being played. And if they want to climb the ladder, they got to play the right game. Have they said like, anything that's, specifically? That's, of course. Have they said anything specifically to you in regards to, like, the, 
like any of their like choices in regards to like why they went to Brown and you know most likely because they're major and also you know it's a prestigious university but have they said anything else about you know the reason why I did do this because I did know that I would have the access afterwards like by any chance today it depends. Some of them are from the hood, and they were like, oh, it's an Ivy League institution. I go to Ivy League school. And then picked up the game being here. And then there are some who their parents went to this school. Like, it's not the first black person to go to Brown. Uh, you definitely have some, like, generations of Ivy League-educated blacks. Oh, yeah. Um, and I would agree with Esther. I've definitely achieved a higher social status than I have economic Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Through my activities and hanging out and growing up where I grew up. Like, I think I grew up in a place where you had a very well mixed group of economic diversity. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, makes, yeah perfect sense. Yeah. You have some of those 9.9, maybe one of those billionaire kids, and then like everyone else is kind of like mid to lower, upper middle class. Like, yeah. it balances out. Um, but would you so say you, would you say that these kids at Brown um, that you that you knew of right would you say that these students at Brown did they know like of the access right of um, you know I some of them did school. some of them did it okay some of them just were like trying to get out of their their hood and they knew they needed to go to a prestigious edu- a prestigious university gotcha um, and they were doing well in high school and stuff like they had knew they just wanted to get out yeah uh, and then some knew like they knew that to move higher in the ladder you got to go to the top branding schools because that's what's going to get you in goldman sachs that's going to get you on wall street that's going to get you the internship with the military engineering school you want to go like all that shit's connected so it depends on the person like yeah it really depends on the person some know some don't know and learn when they get there but best believe by the time they're a senior they know the game they know the game (laughs) they're playing chess and not craps (laughs) that is the truest thing i've ever heard yeah i'm looking for a picture (laughs) if i can find it this is dude who i knew in college um and you know I only knew him. Only knew him his last like couple of years or whatever. And he was very like you know he was very like his like polos and whatever. Black kid. Um, yeah, he was a black dude. He was African right. dude. And then he posted this picture one time, and he was like, "Look at me back in the day." And this dude is posted up on a motorcycle wearing some like huge Evizu jeans oh. and like a jersey. And like if you looked at him now, he has jerseys with yeah. like with like two uh, your 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 pant size, uh, your waist being like yeah like. Four 45 size. and shit like <laughs> damn near you supposed to be wearing a 34 you over here wearing a 40 oh yo but like it was so funny because like that that is the truest thing like yeah. you 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 go there for a little bit and all of a sudden you switch up you're like yo i can't i can't act like this. i need to be wearing my polos my ralph loren and get to where i'm trying to go in yep. um, i need to be wearing my loafers my boat shoes yo it was it's, it was so uh, ah, if i could find it yeah, no, I, sure but I, I i i definitely i definitely uh I definitely understand. Um, no, this uh, actually, this is actually, this has been a really great uh, conversation already. Um, I love this particular title, uh, calling, uh, you know, making it chess, chess or craps, because I mean, we've tied that back in so many times, you know, just with the game of life, right? So, as Pharaoh 
you know so humbly and great you know idea titled this the game of life chess or craps because that's really what, what are you playing what what game of life are you playing right now are you just shooting you know uh, just trying to hope for the best and just you know th- you know trying to throw something out hoping for the best or are you playing a strategic game through life knowing what uh, knowing your move and knowing your best move as jay-z said right um but you know what? i'm about to close that how do y'all feel I feel good. You feel good. That Fair. works. Amen to that. Yeah, I, you know, so are we doing a gold star? No, we definitely are. We definitely are. Um, you know, and I just wanted to like lastly say is that this uh, again is going to be a series that we're going that we um are probably going to have um you know and continue to have uh, until shit you know we 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 figure it out. So this is another series that we add on because is it okay if I say that like uh, uh reasonably woke that could be a series and um. Um, what are other ones? Deep dives. Those are you know series, so to speak. Reasonably woke was definitely its own series. Like. Yeah, and that's going to continue to be its own series. Yeah, uh, and then this, of course, the game, the game of the game of life. Are you playing chess or crap? So, um, but Pharaoh, did you have any gold star points? Are we are we making? Are we sending anybody? To yeah, the great I would field? just say just yeah. I would just say if I wanted to give you the listeners some way to switch out what game they're playing without, you know, going to one of these Ivy League institutions. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I think is a really great book that kind of maps out a good strategy for playing the game if you've never played it before. I like that. And we're actually going to be speaking, um, uh, I mean, uh, wealth, of course, and kind of like what we touched on today is uh, going to be, um, you know, another topic that we're going to speak of. Um, So I'm glad that, Farrah, you brought that up because um, we are going to go into that. I believe, uh, did we agree, did we all agree in our group chat that we were going to get this book and and, and read through it or whatever the case is so we can... Yeah, yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, so we're going to do that. Hopefully, we will probably do it within the next month or so. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But we have, of course, other segments and so forth lined up. But um, did you have anything else, Farrell, in regards to your gold star point? Um, be kind to people. Amen. It takes like no effort. Amen. And I feel like the world's getting shittier. And if I think a few of us just start being a little nicer, others might start. And maybe it'll be a little less shittier. I don't know. <laughs> just don't even know. <laughs> are you are you speaking uh are you speaking in regards to like reality? Are are you saying that people are just shittier people right now? Yeah, like I feel like most human beings I interact with for trash. Damn. And I'm trying to realize what's trash. Going on. I like, mean that's why big. Such, why trash is my asking? Like And it's their trash because they have the inability everyone thinks the world revolves around them. Mm. And I don't know how we got here. Like you're not you're you're important but you're not special. Social and media. I feel like social media is how we got. I here. don't know how to peel it back, but maybe if I just tell people you can be important, just be nice and important. How about yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> but be nice and important. <laughs> be nice. <laughs> be an important person, but also but, but, but make sure you are nice. That's not. Do you have a gold star point? Or are you are you sending anybody to the grape fields? No, no, I don't have um anybody. Oh yeah, this this dude name um Gino Caldwell, I think his name is. He works for like Fox News. I follow him on Fox News. Mm-hmm. And he's always talking about like Chicago. He's always like, Oh, like Chicago's so bad. Like why doesn't Trump intervene? You know, why doesn't Obama talk about Chicago? And I always wonder what exactly is he getting at? Like, what does he want 
specifically Trump to do. He wants Trump to kind of send in like the National Guard to stop some of the murders like martial going on. Law, like oppose martial. I mean, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, we can't do that. You really don't under. So um, one time, Killer Mike kind of went on. Um, I think it was Bill Maher, and he said. You know, anytime you think of a law, we have to think that it's going to affect us first and it's going to affect us. Minorities first. Exactly. Yeah. It's going to, you know, have the worst effect on us. And I I was thinking about that statement. I was thinking about what this guy wants to happen to Chicago, which is for the National Guard coming in and creating martial law. But in all actuality, what's really going to happen is, is that. You know, you would have a military force moving into Chicago. There'd be a lot more police violence against African Americans. A lot more of them would go to jail. Yep, a lot yep. of them would be taken out of the community. Yep. So, therefore, you would have that same kind of thing that we were talking about, where single parent households yep. are the biggest predictor of people living in poverty yep. than really anything else. So, you'd have a lot more people living in poverty. These people would be taken out of the workforce. They wouldn't be able to get back into the workforce. By no means. And it'd be a huge destructive force mm. on that population oh yes we already and seen a case in point you, you see a case in point everywhere and then you have to think about these other places so you have this huge opioid ac- epidemic mm. happening in middle america right now amongst white people talk about and it. and nobody's talking about sending the national guard out to oklahoma no nope. kansas kentucky <laughs> why not these people are selling drugs on a massive scale destroying yep. life to the point where white people are starting to lose they're average. Yes. Um, and this is all yes. white people, not yes. just in Kentucky. No, it's no, all. It's bringing down the, the life expectancy of people in California. Damn. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how bad this is. And nobody's thinking about sending National Guard out to, to round up Monsanto's. So I think that somebody like him, he's really, truly affected by what white people do to black people which is they gaslight them they tell them that really what the problem is is that you you guys aren't behaving properly Mm. and you are responsible for all the bad things that are happening to you and that the way to fix this is like law and order why do you follow this guy if you don't mind me asking um i because i i follow conservative media because i want to understand what's going on on their side of the aisle i don't no, i mean like, i agree with you actually i've changed my my stance um you know um, also beforehand where i was like why would i want to you know be next to this person but it's yeah. like you you still want to know i want to know their argument yeah you want to be privy to their conversations at least uh when i'm fighting back i can say like oh no i understand your argument how else are we gonna know they're coming to get us if we yeah. don't listen to their media <laughs> they're gonna be the first to tell us go get them go get them well, it's time to go, <laughs> time to go. <laughs> and you know black people what's one person runs everybody Liberal media is gonna have it last yeah <laughs> they would never do such a thing while they're doing it while and shit i'm out i'm it's out. been on twitter for six years like <laughs> he said he was gonna do it on this specific date y'all they're showing you the buses in the camps <laughs> <laughs> they'll be here getting ready showing pictures of and y'all step. still sitting here saying it'll never happen it's happening I'm it's happening it bitch happen. i just saw it yesterday it but it's happened. on rachel maddow you're already in the camp you're mad. <laughs> No, I love well, Rachel Maddow reporting live from the media camp. <laughs> from the camp. From the camp. <laughs> it's happening right. It's Who happening right. Thought? But they had it. Actually, that's a good idea. Yeah, that honestly, is a good idea. Just even on that point, I was watching Bill Maher the other day, and they were talking about how the Koch brothers are pushing these specific constitutional amendments that would do these specific things. Yeah. And Bill Maher was like, "Oh, what kind of amendments?" And she's like, "That's the problem. You guys aren't paying the t- paying attention. They wrote a whole book." 
oh, on the amendments that they're trying to get passed. And right now oh, that shit. the Koch brothers have about oh, 30 shit. states that would sign on to these. Um, so like some stuff like that, you know, like you don't know the book and they have the book out there. The but information they have it out there. <laughs> what it's they're trying there. to do is right there. And we're like, oh, my God, what, why are they doing A, B and C? All nah, right, so we need book. to start to go follow. <laughs> Pharaoh, do you follow anybody who is a conservative like that? Follow them. Do, do you do that? Because <laughs> shit, we about to do that. I just want Fox for like an hour a day. <laughs> Damn, I don't know if I. I'm trying to though, but can I watch Fox for? Oh my goodness! I mean, oh. I usually make it about thirty to forty five minutes. I'm not gonna lie, I don't make the full hour. I try, and then I'm like, uh, I'm good. You'd be so mad. You just have to turn it off. <laughs> what I was so of course, um, my gold star point is going to tell everybody just to go travel because I caught the travel bug. But um, they had Fox News out there, and of course, and I was just like, it was just on. And even just the first five minutes, dude, I was like, I can't. I just can't. Like, it's just, it's too unbearable to just hear these people talk about just fuckery. And you're like, I can't believe this. Didn't they say, like, Alex Jones got silenced or some shit? Did you guys hear about that shit? Yeah, they kicked him off of, like, Facebook and uh, YouTube and um, I think a couple other. Basically, they just fed the conservative frenzy. They're trying to silence us. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. I actually did. Um, I did jot that down. Um, like, honestly, he was. I understand his shit was wild, but then he was better off left up there. He does more damage. I feel like he's doing a little bit more damage now they've taken him off than when they had him on. I don't know. I don't know. So, I just feel like he blew up the that right person's world. Because now they're about to have another big-ass rally. And... Uh, it's about to be well they just had a rally in dc i don't know if you guys saw that i know we're kind of going over time but um they did have a rally in dc where um white uh the white nationalists um you know were greeted by of course antifa i believe they called them um i try not to watch actually um the news too much or watch just tv in general um just because it's just it's a lot but they were saying that facebook uh found um and has been actually on this um you know this thing about going um and removing uh divisive political messages um or i would say like pages that um spread divisive political messages and they removed about 32 pages or accounts from facebook and instagram um this is actually uh, about eight facebook pages pages 17 facebook profiles and seven ig accounts um this was from like march of uh 2017 until about may of um of this year uh so they've been just kind of going through trying to clean up their act but i wonder if alex jones was a part of that you know just spreading the shit that he spreads but i mean make make sure you follow make sure you follow your your enemy as it what's that saying you're the enemy of your enemies your i friend. mean keep your friends close keep your enemies there you go even closer exactly yeah. you know so you might as well. and we have no friends so yeah. well, we got enemies. <laughs> we, oh look at that <laughs> drop the bomb on him pharaoh drop the bomb on him but yeah i'm my gold star point is just to tell everybody to go travel i had a great time overseas um everything is positive here um and also make sure to read um and remember to breathe that's that's those are my always my gold star points right now yeah remember <laughs> to breathe so again this is the get up podcast. Read and breathe. <laughs> i remember to breathe pharaoh um this is the get up podcast and uh thank you for listening what do we say pharaoh what do we say, Pharaoh? Stay woke. No, what no, else? Stay woke. What else? Boom. Thank you. That was, was S dot. Sorry, S dot is the boom. It's the boom, man. You All right, we're gonna rewind. What do we say, S dot? Boom. <laughs> God damn, it's a new.